You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Today, we're, we're kicking off this new series we're calling For God So Loved. And uh, you, you might rec- recognize that phrase. It comes from probably the most well-known verse in Scripture that we're going to be really diving deep in over the next few weeks. It's found in John chapter 3, verse 16. Some of you might be able to quote it, but if not, here's what it says. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, some of you have heard that verse so many times that you don't even process it anymore. You just kind of uh, zone out. Uh, And the part that we really want to dive deep into over the next four weeks is that first phrase, for God so loved. And you see, the the love of God is this just remarkable, unthinkable thing that's beyond what we could often comprehend. Because of that, it's so often misunderstood. It's so often confused, like what does God's love really mean? And, 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 and as a result of this, uh, a lot of the New Testament, you read uh, different authors of the New Testament writing about God's love, trying to explain it so that people could somewhat grasp it. And in fact, the author of this same verse in John 3.16, the Apostle John, would go a little deeper explaining this love in an epistle or a letter he wrote to the early church that uh, we know today is the book of 1 John. Here's what he wrote in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. He said, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. What, what's he saying? He's saying the, the, the origin of love, any love, the origin of love is God. And he goes on, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because why? God is love. God embodies, encompasses this idea of love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God. So not that God's love is a response to our love or response to anything we have done. No, 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 no. No, he loved us. Uh, He loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. And and we don't use the word atoning very often. It literally means that, that he paid the price, that he paid our debt, our sin debt, our mistakes, our disobedience, the things that we've done that separate us from God. He paid that debt because of love. And he goes on, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So what's the response of God's love for us? It's not just basking in it and soaking it all up. No, we should follow his example and love one another. And the statement that's so profound in those verses is is this idea that God is love. In other words, God embodies love. He's the greatest representation of love. Uh, in fact, like if you hear someone uh, talk about Apple computers or Apple products, a lot of times you would think of Steve Jobs. Or, or if someone asked you this question, will you be my neighbor, you immediately think of who? Mr. Rogers, of course. Uh, you have this like word association, right? And, and that association, that representation of a concept is what John is trying to write about here. That, that, that with this idea of love, God is the greatest association, representation, and expression of it. Uh, Later in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul would write to the Roman church about this love and and how deep and how strong uh, this expression of God is. Here's what he wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 39, in the New Living Translation. He said, No power in the sky above or in the earth below 
Indeed, nothing in all of creation will be, ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like, this is how strong this love is. This love that John 3.16 so famously talks about is so much more vast and expansive than, than, than that four-letter word love could even encompass or explain. And over these next four weeks, we want to look at who God loves. And, and we're looking at who God loves because the target, the aim, the focus of God's love has always primarily been people. And next week, we're going to be talking about how God loves those we like, meaning that God's love is often shown through the vehicle of relationship. Uh, the week after that, we're going to be uh, talking about how God loves those we hate and, and how God's love isn't dependent on our perspective, our opinion, or our feelings. He loves even those we might be inclined to dislike or strive to avoid or not be around. And then we're going to close out the series on our Calvary Cares Commitment Sunday talking about how God loves those different than us. And, and if we're not careful, it can be easy to adopt this perspective or mindset that God only loves those who are like us or those who are similar to us. And, 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 and he does love those who are like us or similar to us, but he also loves those who are different than us. It's because God is this incredibly diverse creator that loves all kinds of people. He loves those that are rich and those that are poor, the young and the old, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, those that struggle through life and those that were born with a silver spoon in their mouth, those who are single, those who are married without kids, those who are married and have tons of kids. Like, God loves all. And, and while we look at how, uh, we'll look uh, at the end of this month at how God loves those different than us, it, it, we want to start things off this month talking about how God loves those who are like us, who are just like us. Uh, and I, I've shared this story a couple times before, so if you've heard it, uh, just bear with me. But uh, I want to share a story of a young lady young teenage girl. Her name was Marie. Uh, Marie lived just outside the city of Prague in Czechoslovakia uh, at the turn of the last century, uh, in early 1900. The world was changing, and little did she know that her life was about to be turned upside down. Her older brother had purchased a ticket to move to the other side of the world, to America, to start this new life and experience this world he had heard so much about in this bustling place that was called the United States. Shortly before he was supposed to leave, though, he meets this girl. This young lady falls in love with her and can't fathom the thought of moving all the way across the world to a foreign country away from her. So he decides to give his ticket to his younger sister, Marie. She would soon board a train in Prague, travel across Europe, and would eventually find herself on a White Star liner ship uh, on, uh, below deck in third class on her way toward America. As she arrived in New York City, she was shuttled to a train station in New Jersey and would get on a train headed for the small town of Irwin, Pennsylvania, where her un uncle, Mr. Vialek, lived. She arrived in Irwin on a cold, snowy November day in 1900. Shortly after moving to this new world, uh, she would meet a man by the name of Lewis. And Lewis was a, an interesting character, uh, had a, a struggle with alcohol and uh, some anger issues. And uh, Marie and Lewis would eventually fall in love and get married. And, and through that relationship, find Jesus. And their lives would be radically transformed. They were married on July 9th, 1903. And they would eventually have 13 children. I have four children. I can't even fathom 13. That just scares me to death. Um, but they... They would have 13 children. Um, this, the, the middle, their middle child, their seventh, was their son. His name was Frank. 
He would grow up to be this remarkable man that so deeply loved Jesus. In fact, as a young man, he would feel a strong call to actually be a missionary. This call, though, would never be realized or pursued because he met this wonderful young lady uh, from Jeanette. Her name was Lois. And as Frank and Lois fell in love, they would soon get married and have three girls. To provide for his family, Frank got a job at a local factory. He built his own home in Hontown, neighborhood of, of Irwin, on the same street he was born on. And B, he began helping his brother-in-law with a new church that was being started in that small town of Irwin. As God would have it, although Frank never became a missionary, all three of his daughters would marry pastors. His youngest daughter married a pastor who served churches throughout western Pennsylvania and Maryland. As they passed through these churches, they would raise two children of their own, showing them the, this remarkable way of Jesus that had been passed down to each generation, going all the way back to Marie Yedlika Kasperic. Their oldest son would eventually follow in his father's footsteps and become a pastor himself. Out of Bible college, he served in a couple different churches, finally being led by God back to the very same town that his great-grandmother Marie had landed in over 100 years earlier to pastor a wonderful church of his own. If you haven't figured out, that young man is me. And uh, I'm not here to bore you with my family's story and history, um, but I wanna talk to you about this tension that we can often feel about our story and our, our lives and God's love. Uh, most specifically, the tension we often experience about our past. We all have a past, don't we? Your family has a past, you have a past. There are things that have transpired that brought you to this place. There are things that you're proud of and you're, you're ashamed of. There are things that happen in our lives, sometimes because of our own doing, sometimes because of the doing of others. Some of those things we often look back on with regret. There are things that happen in our lives that we would never have written into our own stories if we were given the pen. If you asked 18-year-old Nick if I would ever live in Irwin, let alone pastor a church in Irwin, I would have given you a pretty confident no. Um, I loved coming to Irwin to visit my grandparents, but that wasn't where I thought I would ever live. Uh, in, 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 but in my time here, as I look back with the hindsight that history provides, I see this amazing principle that I don't believe just applies to me, but I think can apply to you as well. You see, while my story is probably different than yours and your story is probably different than those who are sitting next to you or around you, we have this one thing in common with all of our stories. With the surprising and sometimes unexpected twists and turns present in many of our stories, with all the ways our lives could have turned out or the direction our family's stories could have gone, the truth and the reality is you're here now. Your life is where it is right now for a reason. I know we can sometimes bemoan uh, all, all, a lot of those things of our past with regrets or we look back and wonder what could have been or what might have been, uh, how, how certain decisions could have affected the trajectory of our lives or how certain experiences maybe have produced, uh, could have produced different results. I know in this room today, we have people who have personally battled alcoholism and addiction and with God's help have overcome them. Others of you have dealt with the struggle of having family members who battle with addiction and still others who have faced painful moments of abuse as a child or, or have walked through excruciating times of financial difficulty or, or have had those who you deeply, deeply love stab you in the back and walk out on you. You see, we are broken people and it's okay to say that. We are people who have walked through pain and against all odds, somehow we're still standing and sometimes we can turn to our past, whether it's good 
or it's bad, and, and wonder what could have been, wonder why, why, why certain things happened the way they did. And, and while I wish I could answer the why question, like why did those happen, why, why did this happen, I, I can't answer that question. Instead, I wanna answer a different question today. It's the question of what? In other words, it's one thing to identify what's happened in your life. It's one thing to identify what's transpired. It's another thing to identify how you can live your life in the context of what you've experienced and what you've walked through. Some of you have questioned, why are you still single? You know, singleness is something that sometimes in the church can be uh, looked down on almost. And, and just let me say this as a, as a side note. If you're single and you're like, I just wanna get married, or I feel like I'm supposed to get married, or, or I don't feel like I'm uh, you know, a grown-up because of what people say, uh, the two most mature, healthy believers in the New Testament were single. The Apostle Paul and Jesus. So don't, ever, don't ever let anyone say because you're single, you're not significant or important. Uh, you can bring them back to that. Hey, Paul wrote most of the New Testament and Jesus, I mean, he speaks for himself, right? Um, both single. Some of you, maybe you've questioned, why am I still single? Or, or some of you have questioned like why you and your spouse can't have kids. Or, or, or maybe you've questioned like why you haven't received that promotion at work or why certain things in your finances haven't worked out or your job situation hasn't progressed like you thought. And, and why I don't believe that God would purposefully bring pain, disappointment, or setbacks to your life to simply cause you pain because he loves you deeply. I deeply believe that God can use and redeem our times, our seasons, and our places for good. That God longs to show his love even through your past. My, my great-grandfather, as I mentioned, was a, a, a bit of an alcoholic. He had some struggles with his anger um, and uh, worked through those most of his life. Jesus radically changed his life, and while he still struggled with some of that, he helped raise 13 of the most godly, prayerful men and women I have ever known. You see, God can redeem and transform even the most broken of lives. This is how God shows his love. He redeems us. But, but here's the interesting thing about that redemptive love. He doesn't redeem us and show us his love simply by transforming our story for the sake of ourselves, just so that we can have a really cool story. No, he does it because our journey through the difficult moments and the victorious moments uniquely equips us to serve those and love those who are walking behind us. And, and here's a simple thought I wanna share with you today. This simple idea. We are most effective at serving those who are where we used to be. We are most effective at serving those who are where we used to be. Think about that for a second. You can bemoan your past, but you are uniquely equipped to serve them and to love them and to show them Jesus. When I came out of Bible college, I tried with everything in my being not to pastor in Western Pennsylvania. I didn't want a pastor to be a pastor here, um, not because this is a bad area, I love this area, because this is where I grew up. This is where my dad pastored, and I wanted to blaze my own trail. I wanted to go my own way. I wanted to do my own thing. Now I look back, I'm so thankful that God doesn't listen to me. Aren't you thankful sometimes that God doesn't listen to your opinion? Uh, God knew what he was doing. I'm so thankful that God brought me here. And I now see how God used this long journey of my family to ultimately bring me to this place at this time. And, and I'm not the center of that story. Think about this for a second. Over, 120, 20, over 122 years ago, God brought this young girl named Marie Yedlika Kasperic from Czechoslovakia 
all the way to this small town of Irwin, Pennsylvania, just so today you could hear this important message that God loves you. That he loves you where you are. That he loves you in spite of what you've walked through. That he loves you right where you sit today. That message was so important for you to hear that he would orchestrate all of those details just so you could hear it if you're watching online or you're in our, one of the warming shelters or you're sitting here in person. That, that on February 5th, 2023, God orchestrated these details so you could hear that God loves you. That's how important your story and your life is to him. And this is how God works. He doesn't remove us from our past. He doesn't separate us from our story. He doesn't change what's happened in our past or, or erase it in any way. No, he redeems our past and our story. And not simply for our good, but for the good of those around us. Why? Because God loves those like us. Those who have walked the same journey as us. Just look at the story of one of the most prominent individuals in the first century church. His name had been Saul, and at the point in the story we're going to pick up here, he was now referred to as Paul. In Acts chapter 22, God, or Paul had been arrested for preaching about Jesus in the city of Jerusalem and was standing before this Jewish ruling body called the Sanhedrin. And they had a lot of power and authority. And he's standing before them, kind of giving his own defense of his life and his ministry. And as he begins this defense, he shares this snapshot of his own personal history. Why? Because Paul had a heart for the people he was standing before. These Jewish people, these Jewish ruling leaders that were so difficult, made his life miserable. Uh, He had a heart for them. Why did he have a heart for them? Because he had been there. He was in their shoes at one point. He understood that we are most effective at serving those who are where we used to be. Here's what he said in Acts chapter 22, starting in verse 1. He said, brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When when they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. So you have to understand, Paul was a Roman citizen. He was being introduced to this Sanhedrin as a Roman citizen. They thought, he's an outsider. He's a Roman. Uh, We're going to like... We're going to light him up because he's an outsider. We don't like outsiders. We're Jewish. We don't like those Gentiles. We don't like those outsiders. We're going to really make this miserable for him. And then he comes to them and doesn't speak in the language they thought. He speaks in Aramaic, which is their language. And that surprised them. They're like, oh, he's one of us. And he goes on. He says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. What's he doing? He's talking about, guys, I was in your seat. I've been there. I know what you're doing and what you're facing and what you're seeing and the perspective you have. I was there. I'm one of you. I'm not some outsider. On verse four, he says, I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as the high priest and all the council can test themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. He's like, guys, what you're doing right now, put me on trial, trying to get me arrested. All Like, I, I was that guy. I've been there. What was remarkable about Paul's story is he was raised in a really unique way. And he's trying to communicate that. And you'll see it throughout his story if you read the book of Acts and a lot of his, his letters in the New Testament. Paul was raised by a devout Jewish leader, a Pharisee, which was one of the Jewish leaders. 
He, as he mentions there, was raised uh, with all of the Jewish law being ingrained in him from a young age. But what was unique was he was also a naturally born Roman citizen, which was really rare to have a Jewish person who was uh, raised in that way but is also a naturally born Roman citizen. Being a Roman citizen was something that was very desired and oftentimes would cost a lot of money to purchase. But he was naturally born. And, and, And this is what God had orchestrated. This guy named Paul was uniquely positioned to reach Jews and Gentiles or non-Jews because he was both raised by a Pharisee, the pinnacle of of a Jewish leader, and he was a naturally born Roman citizen. Why, Why would God do that? Because God had this incredible, unique calling for Paul's life. He was called to reach those that were where he used to be. Now, now Paul's story is so fascinating to dive into, but, but the point of the story of uh, and Paul's life, the point of your story, is God equips us all with, with different kinds of resources to show his love to the world around us. For, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. And God gives us these resources to show his love. And God asks the same for us, that we would give of these resources that he's given to us. Sometimes we show God's love to the world around us through our generosity. Sometimes it's through our talents or our skills. Sometimes it's as we exercise our influence or authority to exercise and to show that love. Then there's the most personal of all the things God has given us that we can use to show his love to those around us, and it's your story. Your story is the most personal thing God has given you that is an example of his love. In in fact, in the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11, in the New King James Version, it says this, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. We oftentimes miss the depth of our story. Your story might be something you are incredibly proud of and grateful for, You look at your past and your heritage and it causes you to turn your face toward heaven and to give thanks to God. Others of you today, your past and your story is something you have been ashamed of, something you try to distance yourself from, something you deeply, deeply regret. But but what if in both of those situations, what if God has granted you an amazing instrument of healing with your story? As the worship team comes today, What if your story isn't simply something to be proud of or something to be ashamed of, but was something that actually uniquely qualifies you to show God's love to someone in a way that no one else ever could, that that you were able to say something no one else could, that you were able to say, I've been there. I've stood in your shoes. I've faced what you're facing. And I am evidence that God can still move, that God can still work and transform. I've been there and I know. See, we are most effective at serving those who are where we used to be. Now, Now, maybe that will make you feel better about your story, to have some purpose to your story. But my goal today isn't to make you feel better. My hope is to help you do better. There are these instruments of healing sitting all across this room or across the room wherever you're sitting today. And and they're they're not being used for what they were given for. Rather than bringing healing, maybe your story brings you discouragement or depression or, or shame. And my question for you today is how could God use your story to serve someone else? How could God use your past and what you've walked through, good, bad, or ugly, to serve someone else? How could God use where you've been to help someone that is there right now?
What would that look like in your life? And, and today, we want to take a moment. And, and, and the, the team's going to play a song here in a minute. And, and, and as they play this song, I want you to process and kind of take a moment of, of reflection. We can, we can like talk about all this stuff and, and, and move on throughout our day, but, but we have some space. I want to take a moment to reflect and say, God, what in my story, in my past, in my life, what can you use to help someone else? I'll give you a little, little tip. Oftentimes the thing that causes you the most pain and sorrow is oftentimes the thing that God can use the most. The pain that cuts the deepest, that hurts the most, is often the moment that God can use that pain or that sorrow, or use that thing that you are most proud of, that you're uh, uh, most uh, proud of that achievement, that God can use those things to help someone who's behind you, someone that's walking the same path. As we sing this song here in a moment, I want you to take a moment at your seat. I want you to stand, you can stay seated. I want you to just talk to God, just you and him. You might not be familiar with that. That might be odd to you. You might be like, I don't talk to God. You can just talk to him, just like you do a friend. And ask God, God, what are the things in my past that you want to use? And who are the people that you are calling me to? What are the things in my past that you want to use? And who are the people you are calling me to? And I want you to listen to his voice because he's gonna speak to you. He's gonna put people's names in your, in your mind, in your heart. He's gonna to highlight in your mind certain things that have happened in your life. And he wants to use that. Not that he caused it, but he wants to use it to help someone else as well. That you can serve people who are where you used to be. Before we sing this song, I wanna pray that God would just focus our attention on him, that we could hear his voice this morning so that he could use us to do so much good, to show his love to people who are just like us, who are walking the same path that we have walked. God, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would open our ears and our hearts to hear so clearly what you're speaking. God, that you would reveal, highlight, circle those things in our lives, Lord, that you wanna to use to redeem, to heal, to restore other stories. God, I thank you that we are here to this point. You have brought us to this point in this moment. And God, that as far as you've brought us, that we can be used to bring others along. God, speak to us this morning as we take these moments. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.